Well, we're doing this series and we're talking about living in response. We're talking about the yes that's in us. And how many of you are glad that Jesus is a king who responds to us? He doesn't, you know, he, he, is, he is moved whenever we move. Do you know that? That he's moved uh, whenever your heart is hurting, his heart is hurting for you. Are you with me? We, we serve a, a, a Jesus. We serve a king that, that is compassionate for our need. One that, one that, is, that, that, that is disturbed by the things that disturb us. Are you with me? The things that are important to us are important to him because we are important to him. He responds uh, to us. He responds to our need of redemption through the cross, right? He responded. He responded to our need for power through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, He responds uh, to our daily need by his new mercies every day. Come on, how many of you know when you need the presence of Jesus, it's right there and uh, it's always available to you. It's just, it's it's like if I need a cup of water, there's there's a, a dispenser in my house, right? I can go to the sink and I can get some water. Jesus is always available to us when we need him. He is right there. And how many know that he, that he is not absent, but he is waiting to respond to our needs. So he's always available. When he said that, he really meant it. He really meant that I will be with you forever. Never will I be away from your presence. I will always be right there. I will always be as close as you just saying, hey, you're here. It's all about our awareness of his presence in our lives. But how many know that Jesus also wants that out of us? He wants a response. He, wa- he wants a response out of our lives. Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. We've been hitting on this a lot during this series. It says, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. He is looking through the earth to say, Who will say yes? Who will say yes to what I'm asking? Who will say yes to my presence? Who will say yes? These are the ones that God is looking for. John chapter six, verse uh, John chapter six, verse sixty-three says, "The Spirit alone gives eternal life, and human effort accomplishes nothing." Did you know that your effort, no matter how hard you work, it accomplishes nothing without the presence of Jesus? Nothing. No matter how much money you make, no matter how many plaques you have on your wall that says all the great things that you've done, if you've done it without the presence of Jesus, it's just done in vain. In God's eyes, it's, it carries no value. I don't, want to, I don't want to end at the end of my life and have all these accolades that I've done in my own power that, that I did with my human effort apart from the Spirit of God and get before heaven and be like, God, look what all I've done. Look at all the works that I've accomplished. And I'm going to say, but you did it without me. You weren't doing it for me. You were just doing it. And then he'll look for all the things, the moments that <laughs> I said yes to him, right? And these very words that I've spoken, they are spirit and they are life. How many of you believe that the, that, this, that the words of Jesus are spirit, come on, and they are life? They are life because they are spirit, come on. Because we are spiritual beings with the body, not bodies with a spirit. Are you guys with me? You're a spiritual being first. So Jesus' words are spirit and they are life. And then he says this, but some of you do not believe me. And so he's talking to the disciples. He's like, are you going to leave like all these other guys have left that were following me and they stopped following me because they forgot that my words have life? And some of the things I were saying, was saying was a little bit difficult and they didn't want to put it in their basket of knowledge. So they decided to quit following me because they couldn't find life in the things that I was asking of them. And then Peter goes, well, Jesus, where else are we going to go? If you read, continue reading in John chapter 6, where else are we going to go? Because you're the only one that has the words of life. We can't find life anywhere else. So we're sticking here. We're in here for the long haul. We will say yes forever. Right? 
Forever we will say yes. Why? Because there's life nowhere else. There's not life in the no. Life is in the yes. Life is always found in the yes. How many of you guys want to be solid? You want to you live solid, right? You, you don't want to be shaken. You don't want your life to be back and forth. I think we all want that. We all want that sense of stability. Well, Jesus tells us how to get that in Luke chapter 6. He says, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. The good man brings good things out of the good stored in his heart, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. How many of you guys have heard someone make excuses for someone that was making poor decisions, and they said, well, they got a good heart? They got a good heart. Well, that's contrary to what Jesus teaches. Jesus teaches that if we do bad things, it's because we have a bad heart. Not because we have a good heart. We do. No, matter, no matter your sincerity, and no matter how much you claim sincerity, your actions reveal your heart. Your actions reveal your heart. It's just the way it is. Don't tell me how good your heart is. Well, God looks at the heart. That's right. And he shows us right here that we can know what's in the heart by the actions. By the way, that was speaking of David's courage. It wasn't speaking of his sinfulness. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. I, I was talking to a guy yesterday. I, I'm, I'm a pretty disciplined guy. So I get up most days at about 6, 6.30, all right? But I don't wake up till like 10, right? I mean, I'm, I'm like functioning kind of, but it's kind of like I'm just kind of moving around and drinking coffee and looking at the word. So I'm not really fully functional. I need it to be quiet. I need all these kind of things. So I'm not really fully functional till about 10 because I'm not a morning person. And I, and I, t- I was telling this guy, I was like, man, I've tried most of my life to be a morning person, but I'm just not. It's like you can squeeze. And what I told him, I said, you know, you can go and you can squeeze an orange. No matter how hard you squeeze that orange, apple juice isn't going to come out of it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, no matter how hard you squeeze, it's not going to come out. No matter how hard I squeeze Josh Brown, he is not going to be a morning person. So no matter how hard you know, the, probably the only solution is for me to go to bed at like six o'clock. <laughs> right? you guys know, how many of y'all feel me? You're with me on that. And so, um, because of my discipline, I can, I can force myself. So Jesus is talking about fruit here and he's saying, you know, an apple tree is not going to produce pears. It's not going to produce briars. So the thing is, is we are only going to produce what we are. And so if you're pr- producing negativity, if you're producing gossip all the time, if you're pr- producing, uh, negative vibes and all this kind of stuff. It's not because you've got a good heart that you're producing that stuff. It's because you've got issues in the heart. That was not saying that you don't have some good stored in your heart and good things are coming out also. Come on, are you with me? It doesn't mean your heart's entirely evil, but it means that you have a disconnect in your heart with Jesus. And so what he wants to do is he wants to connect those broken places so you can produce goodness. Are you with me? And then he switches gears. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? And don't do what I say. Oh, society. (laughs) Good Facebook post right here. Jesus, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I could see Jesus putting this on his Twitter feed. Why, America, (laughs) right? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. Here's my words and puts them into practice. He is like a man building a house who dug down deep 
and laid the foundation on rock. And when the flood came, when the torrent struck, when the hail came like it did today for two minutes, the house could not be shaken because it was well built. But the one who hears my word and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And the moment the torrent struck the house or the storm hit the house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. What was the difference? Foundation. Foundation was the difference. Why does Jesus switch gears? He's talking about fruit and then he's talking about foundations. Well, because fruit is a result of your foundation. It's a result of your heart. The foundation of being fruitful is forged in hearing and responding to the voice of Jesus. All of life's solutions, everything that we do in life, stability is found in one thing, saying yes to Jesus. What do you want me to do, Lord? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? Have you ever noticed, again, the the good intentions don't do anything? Right? Intenders can be pretenders. Intenders get the same thing done as pretenders, right? I mean, you can intend to do something, but if you don't do it, it's the same, the same end result as the person that doesn't intend to do good, right? So your intentions don't really measure up. Come on. Lord, Lord, I have good intentions to follow you, but you don't do what I say. Now listen, that doesn't mean that we sit around and we go, oh, I'm just not being fruitful. I'm not being fruitful. I'm not being fruitful. I'm not being fruitful. I'm not being fruitful. I don't have apples. I don't have apples. I'm trying to produce apples. I'm trying to produce apples. So what do you do? Do you focus on producing apples or do you focus on your foundation? You focus on your foundation. You focus on hearing. You focus on responding to the voice of Jesus because he is the only one that can make you fruitful. You can't make yourself fruitful because fruit is a fruit. It's not a work. It's a fruit. It's not like, boom, apple and hemorrhoid, same time, right? It doesn't work that way, (laughs) right? Sorry. (laughs) Listen, it just produces. It just shows up in your life when you focus on Jesus, when you focus on what he's saying. That's why Jesus said, you hear my words, but you don't put them into practice. It's like it goes in one ear and out the other. Right? It's like, I'm here. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. But what are you doing with what you know? What are you doing with what you're hearing? So Jesus is saying, it's not just about you hearing my word. It's not just about what I'm saying to you. It's about you applying those things that I'm saying in your life. Because how many of you know that you can sit around and listen to Jesus and listen to Jesus and listen to Jesus, and if you don't be obedient to what he's saying to do, then you're just like the house that when the storms come, you're going to fall to pieces. There's not going to be any stability in your life, no matter how much word you get in you. If you do not respond to the word that is in you, then you don't have a solid foundation. There's got to be a response. That's why Paul says in Colossians chapter 3 verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. How many of you know that the the words of Christ are rich? They contain life. This is what Peter was saying. He's like, man, your words are rich. They have life. Then Paul comes along and says, yes, let that word dwell in you richly. Let it dwell in you. Let it become the focal point of your life. 
what Jesus has said, what Jesus is saying. So how do we hear the voice of Jesus? Right? How many of you guys struggle with that? Man, I know I do sometimes. I'm like, man, God, are you saying something here? Right? We get frustrated. We're praying. We're like, oh, I'm getting here. So I want to give you just some practicals real quick. Four things uh, that will help you recognize the voice of Jesus. Because we've got to have the voice of Jesus in our life. Come on, are you with me? First of all, you read, study, and know the Gospels. You don't just pray, oh, Lord, I want to hear from you. I want to hear from you. But listen, the best way to recognize his voice, and the only way you're going to know his voice, is if you know the way he speaks. If you have a grid for understanding, this is the way Jesus speaks. So when he speaks to you, you can know it's him because you have an understanding of how he speaks. So you read the red. Right? You get a, you get a Bible that has red words in there. Those are the words of Jesus. Maybe you need to go buy a Bible or download one that has the words of Jesus in red. There was a, a guy that used to say, he said, we're going to get in the red and we're going to pray for the power. That's what we got to do, man. We got to get in the red. You got to get in the red of what Jesus is saying. So you have a grid. So when he speaks to you now, you'll know what he's saying. And how many of you know that you, when, even when you do hear things and you think it's Jesus, it's still going through the filter of your human mind. Come on. So you better have a, have a grid for how he speaks. So whenever the enemy comes and speaks to you, you're not, you're not like... Uh, Lord, is this you? No, you know how Jesus speaks. You're familiar with his voice because you've studied the word. You've studied the gospels. It makes you feel familiar with his character. So you know how Jesus speaks. And when he does speak to your spirit, you have a grid for discerning. How many know that we don't have, in the canon of scripture, we don't have every word that Jesus probably spoke, right? In fact, about... 30 years of his life, we don't have on record what he said. Some people say they do, but they're kind of crazy. How many know that we don't have probably everything he said? But I can tell you, we have everything that we'll ever need. Right there, written in scripture. Everything that Jesus ever needed to communicate with you is right there. And sometimes you're like, man, I need a now word. Usually the now word is found in the then word. So, number one, read, study, and know the gospels. Number two, be compassion conscious because we see this with Jesus right compassion conscious not uh, self defensive right not trying to make others like you all the time be compassion conscious what does that mean that means that you're driven by love that you have a tender heart listen an angry or fearful reaction can never be justified never never holy anger What about holy anger? What about when Jesus went and cleansed the temple? Yes, he did that passionately. He did that jealously. Come on, are you with me? He was very jealous for his house. But holy anger is not for self-defense. Holy anger is for greater injustice. So always be compassion conscious. Holy anger is compassion conscious. Come on, are you with me? Compassion is a constant for Jesus. He's constantly compassionate. He's constantly compassionate. Uh, So following his character is always right on. It's always right on. You're always listening to Jesus when you have compassion on somebody. That's always Jesus. That's the way Jesus is. That's God is love. So when you have compassion for someone, that's Jesus speaking through you, communicating love. Uh, when you have compassion moments, when you see somebody, and I don't know if this happens to you, but it happens to me all the time. The other day, we were, um, I was dropping the kids off at school, and there was this woman, 
And, I, and the, the car was there, and it was kind of in my way, and I was a little annoyed. And uh, <clears throat> you guys know how we get. And so I'm sitting there, and this car's there, and I see this lady get out. And she comes around, and she opens her trunk, and she pulls out this small, uh, uh, what do you call it, the, the walker. <clears throat> and uh, she pulls out this little walker, like for a kid. And she, then she pulls out like this little cane. Might, might have been a wheelchair. I don't really remember. But I remember me, my heart being moved because I was really irritated, right? I was already kind of emotional. And then I'll see her pull this stuff out. And my heart just went out to her. Like I felt compassion for this woman. And then she goes to her back seat and she opens the door to the car, pulls out her child uh, who's obviously handicapped and carries her child into the school. And I began to pray for this woman. And when you have these compassion moments, so I, what I'm doing this whole time, I'm like, God, what am I supposed to do with what I'm feeling towards this woman? How am I supposed to handle this? I want to say yes to Jesus in this moment right now because I'm having compassion on this woman. Do I need to get out of my car and stop all the traffic behind me? Do I just need to pray for her now? Do I need to pray for an opportunity to pray for her later? I'm thinking all these things. Why? Because I'm being compassionate, conscious. How many know that that was an invitation from heaven saying, pray for this woman? That was an invitation for heaven saying, something's going to happen here. Will you respond to it? And so at that moment, I was just able to respond in praying for her and kind of got a little weepy in my car, praying for her, driving to school. And, I, and every day now when I take the kids to school and I don't see her, I'm like, Lord, let me have an encounter with this woman so I can show her your love. Because it was an invitation from heaven. Compassion is heaven's invitation for us to, to represent Jesus. So when you have those moments when it's in the grocery store, or you have those moments when it's your children, or you have those moments when it's your spouse, or even somebody that gets on your nerves most of the time and you feel compassion, then you respond to that because it's the voice of Jesus. Number three, look, ask for, and look for opportunities. So not only do you have these compassionate moments, but you also look for moments to be compassionate. And you ask heaven, you say, Lord, would you provide opportunities today for me to show your love? Would you give me an opportunity? I love what Taylor and these guys are doing on Wednesday nights where they're going out to the Love Project and they're just going out to, to uh, different uh, colleges and communities and going out and just telling people, man, we're, just, we're here to love on people. They're being the voice of Jesus to a generation. So ask for and look for opportunities. Get in on opportunities. You, listen, you want to be fluent in what Jesus is saying? You've got to get on this compassion wheel. You've got to get on it. You can't just be like, well, you know, I'm having a bad day. It's not about you. If, you. if you would do this stuff more often, you would have less bad days. But you're so me-centered. <sighs> Number four, listen when you pray. I don't know about you, but I have a difficulty tuning out from all the things that are asking for my yes. Text message. Email. Facebook notification, boom, 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 boom. Everything, asking for my yes, asking for my response. Hey, Josh, hey, Josh, hey, Josh, hey, Josh, and I'm praying. And I'm like, dang it. Don't you wish sometimes you could just put on the headphones of heaven and just say everything and go away? I don't know about you, but I'm like, I'm looking for this simple life where I have no technology, I have no phone around, nobody can get a hold of me. What if something happens? I don't care. God will tell me because it'll just be there with Jesus. And I just want to shut it all down and get, listen, if we are going to be in tune with what Jesus is saying, we've got to learn to get in the secret place where nobody can interrupt us, where nobody can, can come in and demand our yes. And it might not be an hour, it might be 15 minutes, but it'll be the most important 15 minutes of your day. 
I heard a great quote from a guy yesterday sharing. We were at this conference, and he said that he said we don't we don't live life. We don't. Uh, I don't remember exactly how he said it, but we don't live life from you know moment to moment and then praying in between. We pray and we have moment to moment in between the prayers. And this is the way we've got to start seeing ourselves is that we are in constant communion with heaven, constant communion. This is why Paul says, pray without ceasing. We say, well, that means don't cease to pray. No, no, no. It means pray without ceasing. It means don't stop praying. That doesn't mean like don't stop having your quiet time. No, it means constant, continual, that we are living from this connection with heaven, that we're continually praying, that we're continually praying in our spirit. We're in the car, we're having a conversation, that we're totally in tune, saying, Jesus, I'm ready for you to speak. But we're going to train our spirit to do that in the secret place. When we develop these moments with God and say, God, here I am, I'm shutting down, I'm putting my phone away, I'm putting it in the other room, I'm shutting my computer, which is really hard for me because everything I do is digital. So I'm like, man, I'm getting so distracted. I'm sitting here, I'm studying. I'm like, oh yeah, this is so good. Boom, Facebook notification. Boom, email. Boom, phone call. Shut it down and listen. And let me just say this though, all right? It is not your job to try to figure out what Jesus is saying. If it's very important for him to communicate to you, he will. You just focus on what he's told you last time. And you focus on his word. And you focus on those things. Don't get, you know, I work at at a college where people are totally wanting to know the will of God. I just want to know what God's saying. I just want to know what God's saying. I'm just waiting here on God to say something. He's already given you a whole lot to do. Just respond to that. And if he tells you to do something else, he'll, he'll let you know. Not your job to just wait on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord means you get before him, you spend that time, and then you go do what he's calling you to do, and you serve him. Waiting is more like waiting on tables in Scripture. Come on. How many know when you go to a restaurant, someone's waiting on you? How many know they're serving you? When we're waiting on the Lord, we're functioning. We're serving community. We're not sitting around going to sleep until noon every day. We're waiting on the Lord. Tell me what to do. 45 years old, waiting on Jesus. Okay. <laughs> All right, John chapter 10. I love this. We, we talk a lot about John chapter 10. You know, I'm the gate. We talked about that last week. We talked about John chapter 10 verse 10 where Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and life more abundantly. And he's talking about this whole context and the grid of being a shepherd and about sheep. And he says this in John chapter 10, verse 27. He said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. This is what sheep do. They listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. This is how you know if you're a sheep, man, right? You follow Jesus. He's your shepherd, how many know that there's a difference between hearing and listening? Uh, those of us that have kids know, right? They're like, hey, son, you need to make sure, you know. What did I just say? Leslie has to do this to me all the time. What did I just say? And then I repeat back like the last two words, right? How many know that I might have been hearing, but I wasn't listening? So Jesus is looking for us to listen. My sheep, listen to my voice. So there's three invitations in what Jesus said right here whenever he speaks this about his sheep. Three invitations from Jesus. Y'all all all right today? 
All right, three invitations from Jesus. Y'all are kind of quiet. Y'all know that I, I'll just keep preaching until you start preaching back, and and then then I'll stop. But well, probably not. But um, but it'll be more fun. All right. So Jesus gives three invitations right here, and the first is the invitation of faith, of listening, of faith, of saying, "I'm tuning in to what you're saying. I'm believing what you're saying. I'm buying in to the words." Of Jesus. Right? This is why scripture tells us. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word. Faith. So we talk, when, when Jesus is talking about listening. He's saying put, in, put stock. Invest in what I'm saying. Have faith in it. Faith, belief, trust in what Jesus is saying. John chapter 6 verse 28. All the religious people come to him and they say, Jesus, what is the work that you require? What do you want us to do for you? And Jesus says this, the work of God is this, to believe on the one he sent. What do you want us to do, Jesus? I want you to believe me. I want you to buy. Now, that isn't, that's, listen, that's not talking about Disney World kind of belief. We're not talking about, I believe in the tooth fairy. Right? We're talking about the same thing that you did whenever you went out and you started this car, your car this morning and you drove to church. You believed in that car. You put your stock, you invested in what was provided for you. And so when we listen to Jesus, we are investing and what he said. We are investing in what he's done. We are investing in what he's accomplished. It's not just happy thinking. You know, we've got all this doctrine going around. It's just, you just got to think right. Sometimes it just sounds a little new age to me, to be quite honest. You got to think happy thoughts about Jesus and, and everything. No, Jesus said, you don't just listen. You got to react to what I said. You've got to respond. Foolish man just listens. Right? But the wise man listens and responds. He tunes in. He gets in the car. You know, what, you, know, you know what it's called whenever you believe, but you don't have action? It's called devil faith. It says in James chapter 2 that even the demons believe and they tremble. So if you just believe, you know better than a demon. Belief alone won't transform your life devil faith. They're still demons. They didn't turn into angels. Oh, got quiet. We're not talking about Disneyland. Hey, put the, put the tooth underneath my pillow. Tooth fairy. Santa Claus. Faith. We're talking about an investment. Listen, you want to talk about faith? You, you look at the biblical record. Look at the disciples. What, what kind of faith did they have? They gave their lives. They died. Some of them died like Jesus died. That's faith. John chapter 15, he says this though. You're already clean because of the word that I've spoken. Do you believe that? Do you believe? Do you have investment that you're clean because of what Jesus said? Or every time you get before him, you're like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm just so, I don't know. I don't have anything. Nobody likes me. Right? Nobody knows. Right? You're clean. You're right before him. Respond to that. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 5. I'm reading this from the message. And uh, I love how it words it. It says, it is impossible to please God apart from faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God 
must believe both that he exists and that he cares enough to respond to those that seek him. He cares enough to respond. So when you pray, it is an act of faith. When you pray, it is an act of faith. Oh man, God, I don't have any faith. Good. I've got all the faith you need. So the best thing that you ever did is went to God and said, God, I don't have the faith for this. God, I'm weak. I need you. That is faith because you got in the car. Are you with me? So this is why he says, I love the NIV version. It says, those that diligently seek him. Did you know that God is not looking for casual inquirers, but diligent seekers? He who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek them. He's wanting to respond, but he's just wanting you to come to him diligently, faithfully. So it's the invitation of faith. Number two, it's the invitation of fellowship. My sheep listen to my voice and I know them. The invitation of fellowship to know. Listen, Jesus likes you. He's not demanding your time Because he wants you to be disciplined. Does he want you to be disciplined? Yes. But he's not demanding your time because he's trying to develop character in you. He's wanting to spend time with you because he likes you. He's not asking you to to come spend time with him so you'll be a better minister of the gospel so you can do good work for him. No, 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 no. He wants you to spend time with you, with him, because he likes you. You're kind of like his favorite. Right? He really just wants to be with you. I love when Jesus called the disciples in Mark chapter 3 verse 13. It says he went up on a mountainside and he called to those he wanted. He called to those he wanted and then they came to him. And then it says, and then he might send them out to preach. How many know that when Jesus called his boys, he didn't just call them so he would just have a team of people to transform the world. They did that, but he wanted them with him. He wants you with him. He's a lover looking for lovers. He's a friend looking for friends. He's just looking for you, yes, to say, yeah, I want to be with you today. Even if it's in my car on the way to work, he loves that. Don't underestimate the, the car drives. Come on, get in the prayer closet, but don't underestimate the car drives with Jesus when nobody's there. Don't underestimate it. Don't underestimate when you're mowing the lawn. Man, God speaks to me so much when I'm mowing the lawn. I don't know what is up with that. So weird. I'm mowing the lawn, and I'm like, download. Oh, yeah, Lord. I'm like getting all this stuff. Don't underestimate just tuning in to heaven and see what heaven's saying in those moments. He loves to fellowship with us. He is right there with you with anticipation. He's like, come on, let's, let's talk. Let's hang out. Let's be together. Revelation chapter 3 verse 20. Many people use this scripture uh, when they're evangelizing. They're saying, hey, you know, he's at your door, heart door knocking. And if, in, in Revelation chapter 3, he's actually speaking to the church. And he's saying, listen, behold, or look, I stand at the door and knock. I'm knocking. I'm knocking. When you get in your car, he's not. How many know that heaven is always knocking on your heart's door going, hey, let's hang out. He's not like. Open this door. It's the police. How many know that that is not heaven's invitation? 
This is what he says. I stand at the door and knock. If you will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we'll share a meal together as friends. I love to share meals together with my friends. Jesus does too. We like it because he likes it. Right? He loves fellowship. He loves hanging out with you. It's like his favorite. He loves to be worshipped. He loves to be adored. But he just loves being hang, hanging out with you. He just loves it. There's no other place that he'd rather be. Aren't you glad? Isn't it good news that Jesus likes you that much? So we have the invitation of faith. We have the invitation to fellowship. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. So it's not just faith. It's not just fellowship, but it's also fellowship. You see what I did there? Come on. Leslie feels me. No, you don't. <laughs> yes, you do. All right. <laughs> James chapter 1. Yes. Ship. Yes. I feel you. <laughs> I think. Fellowship. James chapter 1 verse 22. Uh, this hurts. But be doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving yourself. You know how you deceive yourself? By hearing the word and not following it. We deceive ourselves when we have heaven's invitation and we don't respond to it. We deceive ourselves. Answer the door. Listen, faith follows. Faith is fruitful. These are all things that follow faith. Putting trust in what Jesus has said. Josh, you're preaching works. You're preaching law. Listen, I'm preaching Jesus. I'm preaching the word. I'm preaching the words of life. Listen, we are off the hook of the law, but we are in the boat with God. You're not on the hook of the law. No, you're in the boat. You belong to God. He's, Jesus is king of your life. It's called covenant. I will be their God, but they will be my people. He wants doers. He don't just want hearers. I just want people just to know how much other. He, want, he wants you to function. He wants followers. Come on. We're just in this. Listen, be his people. I've seen this quote. It really disturbs me. And I've seen the whole video and it works really good. But this guy says this. He says, Jesus, religion says do. Jesus says done. How many of y'all heard that? How many know that Jesus says do also? He didn't just say done. He didn't say you're finished. He said it is finished. The sacrifice is finished, but you weren't finished. And when Jesus rose from the dead, what was the last thing that he did? What was the last thing that he did before he ascended into heaven? He said, listen, guys, come here. Do. Go out and make disciples. Spread it through the whole planet, the gospel, the good news, and teach them to observe. Teach them to do everything I have commanded and I'll be with you. So listen, you know, they're talking, we're preaching religion. I'm preaching Jesus. You can call it, I don't care what you call it. We act like religion's a bad word anyway. Because someone had a bad experience in church one time. James says, let your religion be legit. Right? We're not just religious. We don't just have works. 
And if you're just doing, that's all you have if you don't have the intimacy. You do just have religion. But if you are following Jesus, you will do. You will do. Do, do. James chapter 2, verse 17. You know, there's been reformers over history that have decided just to remove the book of James because... They didn't know what to do with it. They couldn't fit it in their grid. So they just tore it out of their Bible. Yeah. That's wisdom. (laughs) (laughs) So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. Deeds, good deeds are an expression of our faith. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God, good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Useless. I believe God. Useless. Let your faith function. Don't you remember? That is the function of faith. The function of faith is fruitfulness. The function of faith is deed. It's just how faith rolls. Cars move. Right? You put faith in the car, you drive the car. You don't buy the car and sit in your driveway and go, i got a great car. I love my car. My car loves me. That's why I believe in my car. Right? Still sitting there. Faith was created to function. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? Well, I thought that was faith. It was faith. But faith demands a response. You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happens, just as scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted it to him as righteousness because of his faith. It's not the action that makes you right, it's the faith that makes you right. But when you're right, you do things that aren't always wrong. You start doing more right things because that's what right people do. Some unright people try to do right things, but they don't have the right heart. And so that's useless as well. But it's just as equally as useless for you to have the right heart and you do not do right things. In the scripture. Just reading the Bible. Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. Before the law. Come on. Friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. We're not made right with God by what we do. We're shown to be right with God with what we do. 